The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents. The more we can make that future self more vivid, what we're really doing is is taking you know the fiction of our future selves and 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 making it more real making it more of a nonfiction to the extent that we can really sort of dial up the vividness then it really increases the likelihood that we'll do things that we'll later appreciate hi welcome back to the next big idea daily i'm your host michael kavnet this week i'm talking with hal hirschfield author of your future self how to make tomorrow better today Hal is a psychologist who's been studying the question of how we think about ourselves in the future, several years or several decades from now. Our older selves, maybe our retired selves, maybe our sicker selves. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time picturing this person. What does my future self look like? What's he into? How happy is he? Yesterday, Hal shared his research that showed at the neurological level, when we think about ourselves in the future, we are in fact thinking about another person. But what kind of a person? A stranger? A rival? A friend? How we think about this individual really matters. When it comes to long-term decisions, what matters is the type of relationship we have with that future person. All right, think about it this way. There are all different ways that we can treat other people in our lives. When it comes to interacting with a complete stranger, you might find yourself being somewhat selfish or maybe we should call it self-interested. I'm not saying that you're a bad person, but if someone you don't know all that well from your work, let's think about it, a coworker that you don't really connect to, if they asked you to help them move this weekend, I bet you'd come up with a million excuses not to help them. That doesn't mean that you're selfish, but it does mean that in some situations you may act in a self-interested way. Well, if that's how we see our future selves, that is, if they seem like strangers to us, then it may make sense for us not to do things that benefit them. Things like overeating or overspending or undersaving and so on. If I have to eat healthy now so that future me has better health and lower cholesterol, well, that's not really future me. That's just some other person I'm impacting. So why not choose the unhealthier meal now? The caveat, of course, is that there are people in our lives who we do act generously toward. People like our children and our parents and our closest friends and yet even the coworker who we may really feel a connection to. And so when it comes to long-term decisions, if we think about our future selves as if they are close others, then we should be more willing to do things for their benefit today. My own research and research conducted by other people bears out this idea. People who feel a greater sense of similarity and connection to their future selves are, for instance, more likely to have accrued financial assets, to act ethically, to even report greater subjective health, life satisfaction, and meaning in life. 
And those findings remain true even when you take into account other factors that might help explain them. Yes, obviously we can think of our future self as a stranger, as a loved one, or as an enemy, I suppose, and and that, and that would modify our, our behavior. And and I think you're suggesting that in some sense we have we have a choice around that matter. You know, we 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 can we can choose a framework when we think about our future self. I think that's right. You know, in the same way, we can have coworkers who we may not particularly immediately click with. We don't find a point of connection. And, you know, I've had this experience, I'm guessing it resonates with others as well. At some point you realize I'm going to be working with this person for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there must be something there that I can connect to. And I think if you go looking, you can find it. Uh, you know, I don't mean to sound too Pollyannish or overly idealistic, but I genuinely believe that it's there. And I think the same could be true for our future selves. Yeah. Like I'm going to be stuck with this guy, so I might as well get along with him. <laughs> I just want my colleagues to know if any of them are listening. I'm not talking about any specific person. <laughs> and so you say you say you did some some research around this that if we think of our future selves as someone we're close to, we'll be more open to doing things for their benefit. Can you share an example of that research? Sure. So in you know one of our very early studies, we asked people simply to report the degree of similarity that they felt toward their future selves. Um, we actually use sort of a visual scale. It's like a series of overlapping circles that go from not overlapping to almost entirely overlapping. And the people who experience more of a shared sense of similarity also have accrued more assets. Um, and that's when you already take into account things like age and education, other factors that could impact that relationship. But, you know, we see this sort of thing play out in other spaces as well. People who are experiencing a shared sense of connection with their future selves, they're more patient in laboratory tasks. Uh, they're more likely to endorse ethical strategies when given the option to act unethically. Um, they report better health. Uh, they're even more satisfied with their lives. There's a lot of different outcomes mm. where where experiencing a sense of connection and then therefore doing things that will put you into a better position, it turns out that link to our future selves actually matters. And you say that people who are able to connect in this way with their future selves are more likely to have accrued assets, to act ethically, to report greater health and life satisfaction. I'd like to dig into that a little bit. I mean, how does that work? What's what's the mechanism by which we are able to turn ourselves into friends, our future selves into friends? <laughs> well, you know, to some extent, I think this is still an open question. Mm -hmm. um, my speculation is that the mechanism is exactly what helps us turn strangers into friends, which is mm. a sense of empathy and a sense of connection. There's most likely a lot of things happening here, but if we can empathize with others, if we can feel their feelings, if we can sort of see the world through their eyes and take their perspective, those are the things that turn a stranger into a friend. And I suspect something similar may be true for our own future selves. Does this work backwards too? I, I, I find myself thinking about my younger self 
fairly often and and having compassion for that person you know we're trying to mm-hmm. um thinking like oh boy that was a dumb mistake he made <laughs> but he was a kid he didn't know any better yep. you know and 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 i guess it worked out and that there's feels like there's something healthy about that kind of making friends with my past self you know I love the question. Um, It's not research that we've done. And it's something I've thought about a lot that, you know, Mm -hmm. could it be the case that, as you put it, making friends with my past self could help with, say, regret? Um, I think we often regret things that we've done because we have a hard time fully remembering the context and the situation that we were in. Yeah. And, you know, I think tomorrow we'll talk about some specific strategies like letter writing, Mm-hmm. You know, writing letters to your future self. I know you also did some look at using aging technology so that we yeah. can sort of visualize what we'll look like in the future. I want to hear <laughs> right. more about that for sure. But basically all of these techniques, which we'll talk about, are kind of designed to accomplish this goal of making, to me, it's it, it's also making this person more real, right? Like, as I said, uh, to me, the future self seems like a fictional character kind of, but the more I can sort of bring an image of that person uh, and a feeling for that person into my present mind, then maybe I can feel that empathy that will make me make better choices now on behalf of that person. That's exactly the idea. The more we can make that future self more vivid, what we're really doing is is taking you know, the fiction of our future selves and, and, and making it more real, making it more of a nonfiction to the extent that we can really sort of dial up the vividness, then it really increases the likelihood that we'll do things that we'll later appreciate. Thanks for listening, everyone. Come back tomorrow when Hal will offer up some actionable advice for making friends with your future self, some specific techniques you can use, as his subtitle says, to make tomorrow better today. Meanwhile, I've got a way you can make your Fridays better today. Sign up for my free Friday newsletter, and I'll send you a weekly roundup of our episodes, including useful links, so that you can have a handy summary of the best ideas out there. Just click on the link in the episode notes to sign up. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.